Morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to have you all here this morning. If you're here visiting with us this morning, we're so glad that you could come and join with us. And um, our prayer would be that um, you feel welcomed, that you get a chance to be able to talk with a brother or sister in Christ, and you get to be able to hear of God's goodness um, throughout this service, that it's not about being a great church, but it's about serving a great God. And um, we want to point towards Him in everything that we do. And so we're so glad that you're here today, and um, may the Lord speak to us as we open up his word today. Um, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to come and open up the book of James for us. Um, the book of James is going to be where our main reference is from. We're going to be um, talking about this video in a little bit. Um, but our main passage is in the book of James, chapter 1. And we're focusing today on James, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Today, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Let me pray before we start. Jesus, I love coming here every Sunday morning. I love being here with church family and family all around the world that come and visit um, uh, Lord, that in the craziness of everyday life, we pause, we come together as your children, we hear one another singing, and we're reminded that we're not alone as you have called us into a life of worshipping you. We want to say thank you, Lord, that you give us purpose, that you give us life, that in the storms all around us, you remind us of your steadfastness, you remind us of your goodness. And so, Lord, my prayer would be this morning that that would stir each other's hearts. Holy Spirit, would you encourage us, lift us this morning to lift our gaze to our mighty God. Amen. So James chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Here we go. Now, I'm wearing my old glasses today, guys, because my other one's broke, and I'm quickly realising that I need two lots of glasses because I'm getting old. So if I make a mistake and do these ones, you know why. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For where your endurance is, for, sorry, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from God. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. May God speak to us through his word this morning. So I've titled today to be Lift Your Gaze. This week, well, last Sunday, in fact, after church, 
uh, Reuben and I went go-karting with Billy. Um, we went over to uh, Warner's Bay. Um, haven't done it for a while, but I am pleased to publicly say that I am still officially faster than Reuben, <laughs> despite a weight handicap. But he is gaining on me. But after the racing and for the next few days, I don't know if you guys have done this before when you suddenly do something very rigorous, um, my forearms all the way to my shoulders were hammered. <laughs> they were sore as. <laughs> um, why is that? Well, it's because I was unfit, yeah. And then using muscles that I don't normally use because in my Land Cruiser, I've got power steering. And it works effortlessly. But in the go-karts, it was a wrestle every turn. My adrenaline was focused completely on wanting to beat Ruben and to beat my, <laughs> to, to beat my sister, <laughs> to beat my sister's husband. He flogged all of us, by the way. But, but it's the whole part of it, that sort of um, that race, that, that effort to, to try and win was fun. But my arms got really sore. It was sore during the race, and then a couple of days after, they reminded me, you're pretty unfit. Um, you need to get stuck into it. Is that what it's like on the, in the MG, Austin? Is, is it power steering? No, yeah, he's more fitter than I am. But uh, so, so that's what it's like. But the soreness is a sign. It's just like when you're doing exercise that you haven't been doing for a while, your body is doing things. It's developing it's a tearing of muscles and a rebuilding of muscle. Healthy exercise is a good thing because it's training your body to a better condition. It's refining, transforming, improving, better able to handle the effort and the work that you're doing because of what I'm doing in the training. I'm able to do things better later on. Not only... Is it in the doing it um, ready for an ultimate goal? But also helps me right now. It would help me, if I was doing exercise well, to be fitter, leaner, eventually, and motivated. Have you found that when you start doing some exercise, going for a walk, afterwards you're feeling more motivated. It's, you've got greater clarity. It's better for you in the immediate time, and it's better in the long run. You feel more alert. You tend to desire better food. You drink more water. In short, the pain gives you significant gain. But not only that, exercise and doing things which can result in this sort of soreness is motivational to others. It's no accident there's gyms everywhere which are thriving because it's a place where people will work on their fitness together. We have activities like parkrun or city to surf and, um, you know, 80,000 plus people. There's a motivational gain by being around with a whole pile of other people doing the same sort of thing. And that in turn is spurring you on to keep going, to go harder, to get in there, to be fitter, to be leaner, to be more healthy on the journey and with far greater results. It sounds... A lot like what church should be like, doesn't it? Well, verses 2 and 4 are using a bit of a similar analogy to describe faith when it comes to trials or troubles. Let me read that again. Dear brothers and sisters, 
When trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete and needing nothing. James is bringing it to a reader's attention of this letter that he's written that the best is still to come. It's, it's not now, but it's good for you now. It's developing you, but we're looking for perfection. Perfection in glory with God. But you need to be preparing along the way. You need to be active in your faith. And that won't happen just by sitting on your backside. It's an actual fact. I think that's what this entire book of James is all about. James is reminding us that faith is a muscle and that it needs to be exercised and used. And without it being used, it's pretty feeble. It can be useless in a race towards eternal life, perfection in Christ Jesus, and the benefits that come along the way with training. But let's just pause for a bit because in the middle is this part which, which makes us go, hang on a minute, I don't really think that's great because there's a word joy in there. <laughs> um, Pete Bryan knows very well that when I'm doing park run, I don't find great joy in doing it. I'm not loving it. In actual fact, I don't like running at all. <laughs> but I like the results of it. And just talking with Lyndall yesterday, Lyndall's become a real park runner, um, she, the, the results immediate. The results are, I feel more alert. I'm, I'm, I feel better to get through the day because I went through exercise in the morning. But I don't enjoy doing it. Um, the word joy would not be attributed to me with exercise. But let's read the verses again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete and needing nothing. I guess I first want to come together us as a church and we can all readily know and admit joy and happiness are not necessarily one and two the same. This is not James giving an order for Christians to gather together on churches and as soon as you walk through that front door, you need to have a fake smile. I'm happy because James tells me I'm happy. What is God encouraging us in this verse? It's actually not to have fake smiles at all, but that you can ask him to give you genuine smiles that's not fake because of what he's doing in you. It's the realities of knowing that God's got it and he's developing you in the midst of this pain and struggle that we call life. Smiles that will be making other people observing you in the same building, wherever you go, in the same family, in your workplace. What is it that gives you such strength? Smiles that make people go, man, Jesus is really real in this person's life. This isn't a fake it to make it kind of message. It's an active pursuit to be asking God for help in your situation and to be trusting him with it. Let's pack some of these words. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come, 
pretty obvious, isn't it? It's not going, uh, dear brothers and sisters, some of you may have some troubles. It's an expectation. When troubles come, it will happen. So what do we do with it when this happens? Well, he says to consider it an opportunity for joy. Different um, versions of the, um, this, this scripture is, say the same thing. They say, find joy or um, you will move to joy. When troubles come, consider it an opportunity for joy. In other words, when this is happening, have a brain realignment and think through in this, this moment, what should I be doing in this situation? How do, I, how do I react with this? What am I going to do? Am I going to put my attention on Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Or are we just going to go through the situation and forget about what Jesus wants us to do? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Maybe this week you are, like me, quite dismayed at what has been happening in social media Um, with the fires and the blame game and the amount of people writing what they think is the answer and absolutely obliterating other people, including our Prime Minister. Maybe... Like me, you've observed a real sides taking place on your, your reaction to um, America's intervention and um, the killing of Qassam Soleimani. I had one person who's a friend of mine on Facebook who had been in America and had a great influence there and he wrote what his thoughts were on it and... The greatest people to rubbish him were people who were calling themselves Christians. Now, it wasn't actually about what the, the, the text was actually about. It's the reaction that we are seeing of how people are reacting. In no place was there, when the trouble comes, considering it an opportunity for great joy. It was an immediate opposite response. It was, how can I pull someone down? Because my opinion is better than their opinion. We really need to be careful how we're using our tongues, brothers and sisters. If you have a look in James, straight after this passage we're looking at today, he actually speaks very clearly about that, about being very careful about what you say and be really quick to listen and to find opportunities to be pointing to Jesus in every situation that you're finding. Endurance has a chance to grow. So when trouble comes, it's going to happen. What are you going to do? James encourages us to consider it an opportunity for joy. And we're going to unpack that a little bit further shortly. And then it says, and it's because it gives you endurance, and it has endurance has a chance to grow. Um, one of my favorite verses um, growing up as a Christian has been Hebrews 12. You've heard me say it regularly from the front. With a cloud of witnesses around you, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
sorry, it says, let us run with endurance or steadfastness, the race which is marked out for you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we're talking about faith. What do we do with it? How's an opportunity for joy? We're starting to move towards this idea we need to fix our eyes on Jesus in these times. As you focus not on the trial, but that Jesus is there with you, it starts changing the way you're going to deal with the trial. Um, there's a real famous song which has been out there, Another One in the Fire, um, which, which Luke introduced to us last year. Um, this song idea of recognising that, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when you are right there and it's all going up, f- falling apart for you, know that Jesus is there. And he's right there going through with you. He understands and he is your support and your rock. He is the person who is steadfast. Jesus is the key to our strength in times of trials. He understands what it's like to have rejection, what it's like to have disappointments, what it's like to have pain, what it's like to be bullied. His response is prayer. He will go away and pray. Then he'll pray more and he'll rely on the Father. And you know that that same power and motivation that was in Jesus is what the Holy Spirit does in the Christian believer today. So immediately if you're going, so what do I do? How can I consider it for great joy? The starting place is to come before God in prayer, spend time with him and allow him to start shaping your thoughts by the renewing of your mind and to be able to see in these trials that he is with you. Verses 5 to 8. If any of you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they're unstable in everything that they do. In trials, we need wisdom to know what to do next. So how do we do that? Ask God. It's reality is, it's okay to go, so what do we do? I don't know. I don't know what to do. He says, ask God. And allow him to give you wisdom to know what to do next. Recognize that the Christian life is putting everything on the line to follow him. You need to ask God for wisdom, knowing that you don't have a plan B. God is my focus, no other. The Christian life is about calling you to full commitment. It's like a marriage, full, undivided commitment. It's not like a play on a famous song that we all sing, even here in this church. I have decided to follow Jesus, but next Sunday I probably won't go to church because my friends are having pizza. (laughs) I can't read my Bible this week because my bike's in pieces. Oh, but no turning back, no turning back distraction 
is very key when trials come. Why is that? When the going gets tough, we often look for means of distraction. But James is telling us to don't look for means of distraction, but see an opportunity for joy. The world tells us that when the going is getting tough, to feel sorry for yourself and to ditch God's best for you in preference of what you selfishly want to do instead. It's a common human reaction. It's also another reaction might be just throwing up balls in the air and hoping for the best. That's not the right answer either. It's seeking God's wisdom. Stopping, pausing, praying. Say, God, I need you in this situation. I need your wisdom to know what to do next. But then it says, act in faith. And he will give you wisdom. Who's ever seen... Um, one of those sort of YouTube clips or Facebook memes or if you're old school on funniest home videos where you have um, all of the pre-recorded laughter queued ready to go and you see someone who is here on the boat and they've got to get onto the shore but they're a little bit hesitant. They're like... And they put one foot there and they put one foot on the jetty but they don't do, take the next step and then you see the boat start going, moving, moving, moving. You start seeing them really getting worried and then suddenly, bam, they're in the water and everyone laughs and that's funny and it's fantastic. Well, I laugh anyway. Um, probably because that's what would happen to me. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's on the deck to going onto a boat or off the boat and not going onto the deck. It's, it's, we see people which haven't fully committed to it that they will start doing the splits until they fall in. I mean, kudos to them for attempting to get out of the boat in the first place, but you need to be all in. You need to go for it. You need to take an opportunity for joy. Commit. See it as an opportunity. So what to do with this passage? We realise that Jesus... And a relationship with him is what faith is all about. Abandoning our lives to be fully focused on who Jesus is and what he wants for our life. Stepping into the world with an attitude of joy. But how does that happen? My mind went from this scripture with wisdom coming from God asking for direction and not being tossed to and fro to another person who we know who stepped out of a boat. Who's that? Who is it? It's Peter. Yeah, it's what we just had on the video earlier. It's Peter stepping outside of the boat. So we're going to uh, bring this message home by going there, hey? Um, so it's in Matthew 14. Um, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to be able to turn to that. And, um, and we heard in the video earlier, um, whilst we're doing this, we, we are going to be wrapping up soon. I'm going to invite the music team to come out um, to come and, and play shortly. Um, there is a cost to following Jesus. I mean, you are saying to the world, everyone who is screaming for your attention, advertisements, shops, friends, family, they're all screaming for your attention. 
And you're saying, I'm choosing to put my relationship with Jesus in first place. Above my marriage. Above my family. Above my job. Above everything. I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And he's calling you to get out of the boat in faith. It's an awesome story in Matthew 14, isn't it? I love this passage in Matthew, the whole chapter. We see miracles taking place, feeding the 10,000, walking on water, healing the sick. But in the middle, we see Jesus' love and Peter's trust and faith towards Jesus, naive maybe as it was at the time, but really that's for us too, isn't it? We don't fully understand what it means to have full trust in God, but we make the decision, we're going to do this. Jesus, I love you. I'm going to put my full trust in you. I've got no idea what this is going to result in. I don't know what the end is going to be like, but Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put you first. When everything seems to go wrong, Jesus is there. And he says, don't be afraid. Just like he said to Peter and the disciples in the boat. Peter's reaction is, Jesus, with the boat going and the waves everywhere, and he's saying, Jesus, if this is really you, I think I'm hearing you right. But I'm not sure, Jesus. Jesus, I don't want to be afraid. Jesus, if this is really you, then tell me to come to you. And Jesus' words is what we all need to hear. Come. In our trials and everything, when he says, if you want wisdom, to go straight to God and ask Him for wisdom, He's saying, come. And so Peter did. His eyes are firm on Jesus and he starts to walk and he takes a step and then he takes another one. He's gone. This is crazy. This is miraculous. The storms are right there. They're still there. But his eyes are on Jesus and he's walking on water. It's miraculous. How's that possible? And he gets distracted. He starts seeing the waves and the wind and the troubles all around him in the midst of these trials that they're all in. And he starts to sink. I want you to hear this really carefully though. In that moment, he cried out, save me, Lord. And Jesus was right there. In the midst of all the troubles and everything going on, Peter's listened to what he's got is saying to him. He's hopped out. He's doing amazing things. He's distracted and in everything going on, his gaze moves from Jesus and he starts sinking. He calls out, God, I need you. Help. And he's right there. He says he picks him up. He pulls him out of the sinking water and places him firmly and safely in the boat. Now, I have not spent weeks trying to theologically prepare for what that really means. What's the boat really specifically mean? 
when's the waters, what specific things are we talking about in the water and where all these things happen. But we know what life with Jesus will result in. And that is, one day, Jesus is going to make everything right. And one day, we are going to be with him in glory. You might be calling out of him in the troubles that you're in right now and saying, God, I just want to be placed in safety of a boat right now. But maybe your time in the water is going to be for a while. If you're walking on the water right now, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't drop your gaze and to be looking at everything around and try and find solutions for the stuff going on in your life around you. It's still there, it's still real, but Jesus is right there. But maybe he's calling you and he's saying, I will make everything right. One day, everything will be fine. And I'll place you safely in the boat. He will not let you go. Whatever you're going through, he will not let you go. He's got you. He's firm and he will pull you out and he will place you in safety of the boat. And then what does Jesus do? Be still. The waves and the trials stop. Can't wait for that day. Can't wait for that day. Where are you at? I want to encourage you as a church this morning. Lift up your gaze. I want you to know that Jesus is right there with you in the fire. He's right there with you when you feel like you're sinking. And cry out to him and say, God, I need you. Save me. And he will grab you by the hand. He will not let you go. Lift up your gaze. There's been so much going around the world today, isn't it? The fires chances of war, wickedness, just the general results of sin, sickness, so many things happening in trials around us. But I want you to take an opportunity to be all in, no turning back. It's an opportunity for joy for you. And so as I finish it up, I said that there's lots of things happening in Matthew 14 and this part here is right in the middle of it. Jesus comes out and meets Peter miraculously on the water. But what's just happened before that? It's the feeding of the 5,000. Men plus women plus children. It's an absolutely audacious miracle that takes place. Bam, miracle, bam, miracle, bam. Amazing things happening. But for Jesus... Our Saviour, all of this happened, not days, months, but immediately after he heard the news of his cousin and friend, John the Baptist, the one who proclaimed, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he'd just been killed to satisfy a promise for a king who had made to a girl who danced favourably before him. How unfair is that? Jesus is burdened with grief and sadness. We can read it at the beginning of chapter 14. 
And it says that he retreated to be alone. Isn't that a natural grief thing to do? Part of the natural part of grief is I want to be alone. wanted to try and sort this out and to have time in prayer. And it's there that Jesus is given the opportunity for great joy. Crowds started gathering all around him. And what was his reaction? Go away. Leave me alone. Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you understand? No, it says very specifically, he was filled with compassion. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. There's an opportunity for great joy. Look at the miracles that took place from that. Peter, when he heard the call in the trials of the boat, he got out of the boat. His endurance was tested. He heard the call of Jesus and he stood out and he made a firm decision and started walking towards him. He was given a chance to grow. So this year, where are you in your faith story and your journey? My prayer would be that you would consider this a time as an opportunity for great joy. In the unknown, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. My prayer for Raymond Terrace Community Church is that we will all lift our gaze, that we will all see Jesus in the midst of our trials and know that he will grab us by the hand and he will firmly pick us up and he'll place us safely in the boat. So we need to stand up for Jesus. We need to allow him and his light to shine through us, not with fake smiles, but to go, God's in control. He's got this. I hate the storms around me, but he's got me. And he's going to win. He has the victory. I'm secure with him. So if you're on, on, on the boat and you're sort of not sure what to do here, and you're going, you know what, I'm actually just happy just to sit in the boat and whinge about it. I'll put a post on Facebook, say, no one cares. That's it. This is terrible. And I'm going to give my opinion about what everyone else is doing wrong. Or maybe lift your gaze and say, Jesus, if you're really calling me, is it you? And he says, come, take a step out. Start walking and see that you can be doing things greater than you can dream or imagine. Because God's in control and he's got you. Let's lift our gaze, see him the perfecter of our faith. Let's proclaim his name. Let's move forward as a church family. Let's move forward as a community proclaiming the love of Jesus in our lives and our full trust in Him. We're going to take an opportunity for great joy. We're going to take an opportunity that in our situation that God's calling others to see our witness that God is in control and we can trust Him. Is that what God's asking you this morning? Step out this year. See the opportunity for great joy. Amen. Jesus, we want to say thank you that you don't just give us words through James. Who has your brother witnessed everything that you went through? (laughs) And he himself didn't truly believe until he recognized you as the Messiah after you were resurrected. God, you're in control and you love us so much. You're calling us to take an opportunity for great joy. 
in the midst of trials around us. So God, we want to run with endurance, the race marked out for us. We want to move forward. We want to place your name above every other name. We want to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. We're all in, Jesus. We want to follow you. Lord, we cry out to you. We need you. We do see the storms around us. We refix our eyes on you. We lift our gaze and see that our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And we trust you, God, for what the future looks like. We ask, Lord, for wisdom. We say, God, we want to move with direction and firmness. But Lord, we ask that you would guide our path. We want to trust you with all our heart and lean on our understanding. We want you to make our path straight, Lord, in a way which draws honour and glory to your name. We pray. Amen. Thanks, Tim. I invite you as a church to stand.